Welcome to Sustainonomics, the podcast in which we explore the future of a sustainable economy. Here are your hosts, Nadine Strauss and Adele Dessener. Thanks for tuning in to our second episode. First of all, we want to thank you for more than 50 downloads of our first episode. We were truly impressed by your interest and your support for our podcast, and we hope that you will keep it up. If you haven't done so, please also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Hi Nadine, which topic are we going to discuss today and who's our guest? So today we are going to explore with our guest Sonia Santolin how to put sustainability into practice. I think these days this is really one of the big questions that companies and institutions all over the world are facing. How are we going to make sure that our organization lives up to its sustainability principles? And together with Sonia, who is an expert in corporate governance and sustainability, with many years of experience working at financial institutions, we will talk about how she set up a course on sustainability for more than 900 employees, what role leadership plays in moving sustainability within organizations forward, and much more. That's really interesting. I'm looking forward to hear more about this course. If you listeners want to have more information about Sustainonomics, listen to our first podcast where we explain the aim of this project. But if you want to have more insights about sustainable finance, visit our content page on sustainonomics.net. Now we can get started. So hi Sonja, thanks for being our guest on this episode. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background and how did you get exposed or interested in sustainability? Thanks for inviting me today. Um, my background actually, I, I'm as a professional, I'm a lawyer by background. And um, over the course of my career, I got into sustainability through the corporate governance route. I was uh, working at a bank and uh, part of the board secretariat And what exactly did you do there? Shaping the agenda for the board of directors was one aspect of what I did. And over the years, we came to discover that sustainability was a growing area for directors to begin to uh, oversee management's uh, implementation of. And the way that it sort of came to our bank is that we had a regional index created around ESG and although our corporate governance practices were very strong we didn't factor into the ranking of the uh, ESG index and um, our chairman at the time who sat on another board where they did they had made a concerted effort in sustainability flagged that to us and said why aren't we on this index and that started us on the journey of uh, sustainability management for the bank um, and so um, it was a role that was actually handed to me to, to, to start to deliver on. Mm -hmm. And how was it for you to take on this very important role? Um, so initially, I, I, was, I wasn't sure what it meant, to be honest, because it was, uh, it was new for me. I'd never, I'd never come across sustainability in a, in a disciplined kind of way. So I didn't know how to begin or what it, what it would involve. Um, and 
so it started off really just as a reporting exercise, trying to find out what we were doing as an organization across all departments and centralizing the information in a cohesive and meaningful way. Um, and as I got into it with, with a lot of support, you know, there was, uh, I was based in Abu Dhabi and uh, the Abu Dhabi Sustainability Group was, a, um, was an organization that was created through the Ministry of the Environment and they offered a lot of training for practitioners, so individuals who were uh, engaging in sustainability management for their organizations and so they helped through the courses that they offered and the workshops that they offered and the uh, exposure to different experts, a real, uh, a real deepening of my understanding of sustainability. And I, I love it. I, I loved it. I, what I love about it is that there's so many issues. And if you're someone who's passionate and caring, which I am, uh, and someone who loves to learn, it's a, it's a lifelong journey, you know, there's no two days are the same. And there's just so many different perspectives of different stakeholders, so many different issues, and everything's evolving at a, at a rapid pace. So it's, it's a really dynamic uh, field to be in. Not to say that it doesn't come with its own challenges, but you know, I suppose we'll address that later. Um, <laughs> It's sort of, I feel that my career to date, uh, you know, starting off in law and then transitioning eventually to corporate governance and then sustainability has sort of been a natural evolution, whereas before I never really knew where I was going with what I was doing. And this sort of now uh, brings everything together and helps it to make some sense. So in our pre-talk, you told us that uh, you set up an educational program, um, a course, Syria, about sustainability. And this was for the employees of the bank you used to work at the time, right? Yes. And you have reached a really astonishing number of participants that was 900 people. So tell us a little bit more about this initiative and mainly what was the reason for setting up this course, but also how did you reach so many participants? Okay, sure. Um, so when I took on the role, as I mentioned, initially it started off as a reporting exercise. And so the first year, um, it took you know a significant amount of time, some six months to complete the report with the assistance of, of a consultant. You know, which meant that I then had six months of inactivity and I had to fill that. And, and I knew that in order to develop it out, I would need some support across the organization. At a management level, they were happy with it just being reporting and, you know, wanted something around a waste management program or volunteering program. And to me, that was, you know, those were real basics. And I, I wanted to develop a more robust framework. At one point, I had studied corporate compliance, a, a program um, through the Society of Corporate Compliance Ethic and Ethics, SCCE, which is a U.S. organization. And in the U.S., just by way of background, in the U.S., um, corporate compliance has now become mandatory because of court litigation that happened. Um, and the court actually created some of the elements of what a robust framework would look like for corporate compliance. And it includes things like, 
you know, having policies in place, monitoring them, having an educational outreach program, uh, reporting into management, auditing. There, there were a number of different elements that go into it. And, and that sort of stuck in the back of my mind. And I said, you know, that's exactly what's needed for uh, sustainability to be implemented across an organization. You need to have a framework. And in order to do that, obviously, you need the support of management in order to build it out. So given that we were in the early stages, I had to sort of grow it organically. And to me, one of the first ways that I thought I could have impact across the organization was to develop out an educational program to help staff and management learn what sustainability was, because I think there was often a misunderstanding between the difference of sustainability versus CSR and also because sustainability covers so many issues why are they part of sustainability and not just part of good business management and helping to understand how they they work side by side. So how did that program then actually look like? So I put together a um, I called it a lunch and learn program which uh, was extended out to everyone across the bank. Uh, so our bank had some 6,300 employees based primarily in Abu Dhabi. And um, so I developed a monthly program um, where sometimes I would travel to different offices to deliver the program. Sometimes they were held at main office. And I created a lunch and learn program where I educated on a particular issue each month. And sometimes it was in collaboration with a strategic partnership uh, of ours. So, for example, we had a partnership with World Wildlife Fund. And so they would come and host seminars on environmental issues. We had a partnership with the Emirates Foundation, and we focused on creating a financial literacy program. When we introduced our internal waste management program, recycling program, We brought in our uh, waste management partner to explain what the requirements were in the UAE, the program that we were putting in place, and how people would go about using it. We had partnerships with different, so you know, one of the themes was around employee health. I worked with our health insurance provider and different doctors to design a program. We also sponsored, for example, Bike Share, which was a community biking program. And so, you know, one of the events was part education and part integration to the extent that we had a series of seminars. We had different stations where people could come and learn about different health issues. And we had special offers that were offered to, um, to our staff to help them get on the health kick. So, you know, with our partnership with Bike Share, they received complimentary bike passes so that they could start incorporating biking and, and a more healthy lifestyle. You have to understand that in Abu Dhabi, the average person doesn't walk. <laughs> It's sort of like LA, they hop in their car and they drive a block because the distances are, are rather long, uh, the way that they've designed the city and also with the heat. So this was a way of encouraging activity. So things like this where it was, you know, not only education where their their passive audience, they were also able to avail of certain promotions in a, in a way that helped them then change their lifestyle for the better. 
that was one program that I or that I developed as part of this lunch and learn series. Um, so you see, it kind of grew organically from just a seminar series into something that was more lifestyle oriented and practical within the workplace. And I think that the reason that it was successful is that. A, there were a lot of people who are interested in sustainability issues. You know, most people go to work and, you know, they're doing their job, but they want, they want to feel connected to something. And so this allowed them to learn about issues that, were, uh, that mattered to them and also get some benefits in a practical way. Also, I think that, um, you know, people wanted to give back. They, you know, it raised a lot of interest internally. There was a lot of discussion around how can I be more proactive? What can I do? And, you know, that helped to, to attract people. And then, you know, it's also, um, it was also designed in a way that was interactive. So I think that broke from the routine of sitting at your desk every day. So it was, you know, it was successful in a few ways. Yeah. Cool. I think these examples are very inspiring also for other corporates when implementing education programs about sustainability. I also very much like the idea of working together with corporates and then developing sustainable solutions for employees, um, which they then can very easily implement in their daily work life. Um, but I'm curious now, how successful were these initiatives and these educational programs in the end? Um, to what extent did people and basically your colleagues change their behavior? It was a slow start, I have to say. There was a lot of interest in it and people came back to me wanting to start different initiatives like, you know, how to manage paper better, how to manage, you know, because as a bank, one of our biggest environmental impacts is our paper consumption. So we tried a few initiatives. None of them really kicked off. Uh, it really became like a slow process of getting people to be aware. And that was as a result of working with different business units. So speaking with IT and how to program the printers, speaking with our procurement team on how to uh, transition to uh, recyclable paper, hosting these kinds of seminars to staff to teach them about the recycling program and the importance of reusing paper instead of throwing it out. It was slow. It was, um, you know, I think that any kind of behavioral change, uh, you can't look for drastic change overnight. It's going to take time and you really have to just keep at it. And that's even with people that are interested in it. So yeah, it really becomes an exercise of resilience and continued creativity in terms of thinking, you know, what other ways can I work within the organization to make it happen? And it really is a trial by error methodology. Yeah. Yes, I can imagine that it takes a lot of time to get everybody within a company on board. Um, I think it always takes time to change behavior. Everybody knows that from their own experiences. Um, and when it comes to organizational change, I think this is particularly a difficult undertaking. However, there are many theories out there on how to bring about sustainable and organizational change. A widely accepted approach is the combination of a bottom-up and top-down approach, meaning that basically both the employees but also the leadership should engage and pursue the principles of sustainability. 
So in your role as a sustainability and corporate governance expert, Sonia, you also work very closely with the leadership and the executive board of the bank. Tell us a bit about your experiences. What role does leadership really play in moving sustainability forward? Well, I think everyone talks about bottom-up and top-down being the right way to approach this. And, and I think that that's 100% true. The reason being that you know, bottom-up means that you're touching the mass and you're getting a voice and an interest in sustainable practices. When you talk top-down, it's really about driving it. And so I started off with a bottom-up approach, as I said, because I didn't at the time, you know, the, you have to appreciate that as management, they're juggling multiple priorities and some of them are more business, more, have more immediate business threat than others or are more demanded by stakeholders than others. And, you know, with competing resources, you have to prioritize It started off with just updates to the board on what we were doing internally, um, and that happened twice a year, where I would present on you know what initiatives had been undertaken, what the you know what the outcome looked like, and gave ideas on ways to move forward. And it was really just an update. Over time, it started to take take on a more meaningful role. Um, as my experience in sustainability deepened and I started to look at things from a business risk and business opportunity perspective and I was able to have the con you know present it in using that kind of language with management there was you know you're able to speak to your audience at a, at a different level than just talking about well it's an existential threat and these are you know concepts that are that are so remote there was once a you know one of the research that i had done was of a marketing study and what they found is they said you know you have to approach sustainability similarly to the way that they approach a lot of branding which is in me on me and around me and People react first and foremost to in me, then on me, and then around me. And I think with sustainability, often the discussion is what's around me. Oh my God, the polar bears and the, you know, the deforestation. These are things that are very important, but they're remote. It's hard to connect to them. But if you can find a way to turn it about the person, then you're going to see some action happening. And so my point is that, you know, you need to be able to speak to your audience in a way that's meaningful for them. Um, and so what happened is that over the course of several years, because I, I held the role for some six years, it was only in the last two where management really started to pay attention and listen to my conversations. And notwithstanding the business risks and business opportunities, that helped me identify a few programs. But what really triggered the dialogue was that one of our key stakeholders, i.e. investors, were starting to exclude us from consideration. And so I think as an organization, you need to look at What are the key stakeholders that will influence management's thinking in terms of sustainability? So for some organizations, it's going to be customers. 
customers driving sustainability initiatives. For others, it's going to be government regulation. For others, it's going to be investors. And every organization has its own hotspot. And for us, it really became that we had investors and investment analysts looking at us. So for example, we were rated and in some areas we were laggard. And, and that started to catch attention because we were saying, you know, look, if we want to continue to attract uh, investors outside of the UAE, we need to get on top of this. And so it enabled me then to start having discussions with management, helping them to understand what some of these issues really meant, do deep dives into them, and identify what approach we needed to take in order to increase our performance on, on some of the areas that they were looking at, one of which was corporate governance. And so it enabled me to not only have uh, regular conversations with executive management, but also, you know, the strategies that I was proposing then took on a different importance. Yeah, so I think that at that point, you know, when management became involved, we, we shifted from, uh, I can't say we were laggards, but we became a leadership. We moved into the leadership category. So when you have executive management involved, I mean, they're the ones that are setting the agenda for the organization. So as I said, they really are able to drive the change. Um, so bottom up is more about enthusiasm, showing interest, really appealing to the mass. And top down is really about driving it across the organization in a meaningful way. I think what's really interesting from your story and your experience is that we see how important the external pressures are in moving an organization to become more sustainable. But you also said that the bank you were working for was not very well rated on some of the ESG criteria in the past. And you also told us in our pre-talk that you were involved in some of the work in setting up ESG measurements and frameworks at your company. So we would like to know how was it to be involved in that work and what were the difficulties and challenges in trying to measure ESG at the bank? Yeah, so I mean, we used GRI as, as our base reporting tool and, you know, and that changed over time, the, the, uh, just mainly in terms of identifying materiality. But over time, you know, I, I started to become aware of Other reporting tools like SASB and TCFD and Carbon Disclosure Project and, and Dow Jones Sustainability Index and there's there's a lot of different tools that are out there. And in our reporting, you know, we maintained the GRI as the base. And I tried to look at what the trends were in reporting and incorporate them where I could. There were a lot of times I couldn't, like TCFD, there was no way I could incorporate that, mainly because we just hadn't done the scenario analysis and in order to be able to really say that we were addressing it in a meaningful way. And so reporting really was a big challenge. And, and while we had certain indicators that we performed truly well on, for example, our gender equity ratios were, were fantastic, But when you looked at it at a management level, that wasn't the case. And so then that started the conversation internally. Well, how do we address this? And every stakeholder has their own focus area in terms of issues. And even if you look at one stakeholder group, such as investors, you're going to find each investor group or each investment analyst 
taking different approaches. So for some, gender diversity are going to be more important. For some, it was more around whether we applied risk management tools in, in our investment analysis decisions. For others, it was something else. So everyone had their own focus area. And yeah, that made it a big challenge because you can't please all people in one go. I mean, over time, you you know, you can start to build a more robust and deeper um, approach. But, you know, we really had to look at what were the top priorities to action in the last couple of years that I was there, as I said, you know, we, we really tried to raise our scores in areas where we deemed that they were important for investors based on a variety of considerations from investor queries and, you know, where the impact could most be attributed externally. And, uh, and that helped us identify the strategic areas to focus on going forward. But yeah, it is, it is a big challenge because, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different reporting frameworks out there. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not an easy one. So you said in the beginning that your background is in law. And um, we are curious to what extent this background was also useful to you when working on measuring and reporting ESG criteria. But also more generally, what role do you think lawyers will have in the future of this whole sustainability movement? Definitely. So um, I can't say that my skills as a lawyer really made a difference in a direct way. What they did make a difference in is the transferable skills. So my discipline, my logical thinking, my ability to communicate, my presentation skills, my analysis ability, all of those skills really helped me because, you know, I was, I was a standalone role. And so to get to the level of presentation, I had to do a lot of research, you know, to really analyze what our competitors were doing, understand trends, and uh, creatively persuade on what we should be doing going forward and why. So my skills really helped me in that regard. But there are definitely ways that I'm seeing, you know, a lot of collaboration between lawyers and sustainability. There, you know, litigation being one of the, the main areas, you know, where you're seeing a lot of climate action uh, lawsuits happening across the world. Uh, you're seeing a move towards fiduciary duties. And recently, there's, a, there's an organization in Canada called the Canada Climate Law Initiative. And they've done an opinion piece stating that it's actually a legal obligation for directors to consider climate change in their mandate. So we are seeing a shift and a way that lawyers are touching upon sustainability issues. You know, there's policy development, there's a lot of different ways. And, you know, some law firms have even started to, to hire someone in a sustainability role where they, they've seen that this is the way forward. You know, there are issues like Black Lives Matter, diversity and inclusion, good health, climate change. These are all issues that are starting to not only touch them as an organization, but also their clients. And so they're seeing it as a value differentiator and a way that they can bring greater value to their clients. You know, sort of, I want to say, watch this space because it's evolving. 
but definitely the the link between law and sustainability is growing. Yeah, and let's hope that this is going to become even stronger in the future. But for now, thank you very much for being on our podcast and giving us insights on how you integrated sustainability, first with the employees of the bank and then with the top management. But before closing, we would still like to ask you, what are your next steps and are you still going to work in sustainability or sustainable finance? Um, I really hope that I can continue in sustainability. I've, I've just moved to Canada. And so I'm learning the landscape here and trying to, you know, find my place. So fingers crossed, <laughs> fingers crossed that I can find a way to continue my journey. Yes, I'm pretty sure you will soon find a new job based on your expertise and your experience. So thank you very much, Sonia, for being our guest today. And thank you all for listening. And we hope you tune in next time again when we explore the future of a sustainable economy. If you like our podcast, please subscribe on sustainonomics.net, on iTunes or on Spotify. 